I know it is so loud out there. Wow, that's a good mic right there. <laughs> Can everybody hear? Hi, everybody. My name is Renee Richardson. I work in radio. I work for KFOG Radio. And it's my honor to introduce Kay Flay. Hello. Thanks, guys. So, uh, rapper, performer, Stanford graduate. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you study music at Stanford? I didn't. Um, I was actually a psychology and sociology major and just kind of through very haphazard circumstances ended up making music in school. Wow. Um, Do you use that background, your school background in your songwriting? Just out of curiosity. Um, You know, I think I I definitely kind of I think that there's something about, you know, being at school and kind of being taught to like absorb information in a particular way that I think is is really helpful when writing anything in general. So I think in that sense, it's been certainly like a good thing for me. But I mean, specific stuff, not, you know, not so much. It's all leaked (laughs) out the back. So so you're working on a new record. Tell us about the new album. You're you're mid recording, right? Yeah, well, we're, we're essentially, so just to give a little bit of, of background to things, I started off kind of totally DIY and uh, not even really consciously pursuing music as like a, an end goal. And uh, I ended up getting signed to RCA. Um, that was about a little over two years ago. Um, and it was, it was a little bit all of a sudden, and it was kind of at the beginning of like hype machine being a thing, mm. um, and that was really the catalyst for that. In any case, I was on the label for for a while and was never able to release a full length record because of them. Well, well, probably because of because <laughs> maybe because of both of us. Um, <laughs> I mean, I put out three P's and two mixtapes, okay. and, and like essentially just was on the road. Um, but I think they they were waiting for something that they perceived as as a single, an undeniable single, um, that could be marketed to radio. Yeah. Your, it's, your world. Well, so you're bringing it up, so we're going to go there, because this fascinates me. Um, you, you get signed to RCA, and a lot of people may not know this about the record industry. You get that signing, and then you have a job to do. Like you said, they were looking for that single, and that's what they want. They want to push that single to radio or to wherever. Um, now, you ultimately, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun, but you ultimately left them. Was yeah. it because of that constriction? Yeah. You know, I think what's interesting, and I've, I've certainly thought a lot about this and talked to other artists as well, but a lot of people who get signed, and, you know, a ton of people get signed and just nothing ever happens. Right. Um, either they're, they're kind of in limbo for enough years that they you know, start a new project or um, they they put something out that sort of doesn't do too much. Um, but I think a lot of people get signed because they're, they're a little bit odd, you know, and, and the, their sound is eccentric in some capacity. Uh, but the trouble with that is, and I think, you know, um, that's obviously compelling and interesting in some way, but it felt to me like after I signed, it was like, okay, well, that was cool, but, like, don't do that anymore. Right. Suddenly you know? they want to change what you were, yeah. what they signed you for. Yeah, so it was, it was interesting. It was kind of, like, it kind of felt like, like marrying somebody and then the, they suddenly like, want you to actually have babies like, and move to Petaluma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, was I talking about me for a second? 
<laughs> Sorry. No, no, Petaluma, let's go. <laughs> um, the, now, with that, how hard was it to leave the label? Like, logistics of it all. Um, logistically, it, it was more... It was time-consuming. Um, it just took a while. It's a lot easier to get, get dropped, which is sort of what you have to do, um, if you have not put out a full-length record. So that's my advice to anybody trying to get off a label. Because um, my friend, a friend of mine who kind of had a similar trajectory, it took her like a year and a half to get off because she had had... Um, She'd had a full-length record come out, and they had you know, to work everything on right. that record. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it took a while, but it was actually, to be honest, it was a pretty not non-acrimonious uh, split. I think, you know, I got signed at a time when I was still developing in a major way, and I think they were looking for something that was more developed, mm-hmm. um, and and I think, you know, I think it, a problem with a lot of the major labels right now is that. The, the mentality with a lot of people there is, is very reactive. Um, and I think they're really good at reacting. Um, you know, when something has a spark of, of sort of its own volition, they're incredibly adept at organizing that and, you know, broadcasting it out to the world. But I think in terms of being proactive, they're really, really bad, you know. And that's not even... Uh, to say that that's a bad thing inherently, but I think for, you know, a developing artist who needs that kind of, like, sort of a DIY ethos, mm-hmm. um, it's, I did, I personally didn't find it to be super present. Yeah. Um, now, since leaving, you are working on this new record and you're doing it yourself um, with the help of the crowd. Yeah, with the crowd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you crowdsourced for this this record. Tell us how that worked for you. Yeah, so actually, um, I, I've I've sort of been like I've always found like crowdsourcing to be a little bit weird on the level. Not weird, but it's a strange relationship in that like you're asking people for money. Um, on so, I mean, you're giving them something as well, but um, to me that felt a little bit not totally comfortable, the idea of it, but I basically got off the label in December. I, I kind of rented out a studio space and started recording uh, just just demos with really no idea what I was going to do. And then I guess maybe in February or something, we got booked to do Warped this summer, and I wanted to have a full-length record to sell on the road. Um, so basically my manager who, uh, has been awesome and I've been, has been with me this entire time. His name is Seth. Uh, he was like, well, like, fuck it. Let's just, let's make it like, so finish it, you know, finish something and then let's put it out. And I was like, well, it's hor- everything's bad. I don't, <laughs> I don't have enough time. Uh, but it turns out I did have enough time and I think, I was originally just going to be super I didn't want to I didn't want to involve fans in that capacity but I I actually started talking to some some of my my music friends who had who had done it and put mm-hmm. out records that way and I think the thing that really interested me and that I um didn't really understand because I I don't think I have a really good understanding of being a fan mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um like 
is is that level is that participation like that there's something kind of inherently gratifying for somebody who's a fan of anything to be a part of your growth yeah and like your whole thing an actual thing that exists in yep, the world because what you have done i'm a fan i mean that is i don't make music but i am 100 percent a fan and what i wouldn't do for some of the artists that have made something so special in my life or, or something just better so you, the crowdsourcing thing by your fans is a total way for them to give back to something that has given to them so much yeah and i think i just didn't really comprehend that on some level and as soon as we did it uh and launched the project you know we reached the goal in like five days and it was um you know, it was really, it was a really so like lovely kind of surprise, wow. and I think like the response was very, was very genuine, and it's been a, it's been a really cool experience. The only thing that's kind of scary is just that like, if I, if if it's like if I screw it up, then I'm like, you know, the the level of accountability is is much higher, obviously, um, but but it's cool, yeah. So we I recorded seventy five percent of it in New York. And then the other quarter here in San Francisco, and we mix the record at different Fur Studios in the Mission. And uh, I've known Patrick, I'm sure some of you guys know Patrick, um, for oh, f- probably three years now. And we've always wanted to do something together, but uh, for a variety of reasons we couldn't. And now we are, and it's, it's been... Uh, it's been awesome. The the pre everybody who pre ordered it gets it on June tenth, which Yay. is sort of very soon. Very um, soon. But yeah, so that's kind of that's where we're at right now. And and those people are stoked. And then you head out on Warp Tour. You said yes. When does that start? That starts. Uh, G- I leave June 9th. Now, when you that. when you are performing live um, at festivals or other, do you do you play with a full band or is it just you and another person? How do you how do you uh, how does it work? So um, the current setup, and I think this is probably where we'll, we'll stay at for a bit, is just me and then a drummer. And we've had, when I started out, I played alone, which looking back, I mean, was good because it built some strength. You know, it's there's something kind of soul-crushing about being on a stage by yourself. Yeah. No matter what you're doing, I think. It, not soul crushing, I mean, it's not, <laughs> but, it's, but you know it's whatever. You know. Everything's out there. Yeah, out it's there. it's it's a vulnerable position for sure. Um, and when you let me stop for a second, when you played for yourself, when you played by yourself, um, you sang, and then were you playing drums or were you playing? No, everything was like controllers and drum machines. Okay. Um, and that's still my setup, um, although I have like a, some auxiliary percussion. But then I play with a drummer, and we kind of integrate samples and things like that. We've played with – I've had a DJ on the road before and some other people, but I think – I don't know. I think the power of like two on stage can be a really cool dynamic if it, if it has the right energy. And, and the, the music is kind of evolving into a little bit less of like just rap shit and more – a little bit more melodic mm. Um, if rap shit is a <laughs> category, a you know what I mean. Could Whatever. Be a, it could be a <laughs> uh, so it's like more singing. It has a little bit more of like a rock um, spirit. Maybe that's a better way to say it. And uh, and I think that 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 like duo is really awesome. And I've been playing with the same drummer who's from San Francisco. His name is Nick. Uh, since I mean, I've never played with another drummer. That's so that's great. Do you? What are your influences? What kind of music, music do you listen to? Mm, I feel like um, I mean I listen I listen to a 
pretty wide variety. Um, I kind of get obsessed with certain things. Like, I love that Tame Impala record, which, I, I mean, I would never be able to make that kind of music. Um, but I really like that. I like music that's... Um, and actually, we were, we were just... I don't know if anybody here is a Deaf Heaven fan, but um, I'm, I'm kind of cu- always curious about music that has, like, really really intensely emotional and dark lyrics that maybe people don't pay attention to, mm-hmm. either because they can't hear them or they're just yeah, they're nothing. like ethereal or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stuff, but a, a pretty big mix. Um, and where do you find your music, generally? As a radio person, like, oh. I'm, I drive, I'm in a car a lot, and radio is in my world, but for so many people, that's not the place they get the music from anymore. It's... Well, where do you? Yeah, I feel like most of it is just just online, or or I have like a group of friends that we just kind of trade music back and forth, okay. and especially on the road. When I mean, I'm probably touring like eight months out of the year, and I feel like a lot of that is just you know being bored in a van. So there's not that much to do aside from listen to like new music and yeah. and see what's going on. So um, on the road. So you're going to be on the road with Vans Warp Tour. What other kind of bands are on Warp Tour anymore? I'm so removed from that because that was always very alternative. Yes. Is it still? Well, it yeah. still remains. I mean, and I don't know if any of you guys have been to Warped in recent years. I'm actually not super familiar. Like, I'm not, I didn't grow up going to Warped or anything like that. But um, there's a stage, one stage that's sort of like the electronic, um, like, Miss Outliers Mm -hmm. stage, Um, and this year it's a lot of lot of like kind of trap electronic stuff, um, which is cool, and uh, I think I think will be pretty fun. But um, yeah, the rest is like hard. You know, there's like definitely a lot of yelling, screaming, (laughs) which is cool. Wow, already, jeez, Louise, I'm having such a good time. Does anybody (laughs) have any questions for? For Kay, I don't want to hug all the time here. Anyone? Anyone? There we go. I saw that you did that video with uh, Frank Dorr. Yeah. Was, was that part of the uh, crowdfunding used for that? Oh, yeah. So um, t- basically we, yesterday, or Sunday, um, shot, a, shot a music video uh, with a guy that I actually worked with, a director that I'd worked with on many videos before. But yeah, the the pledge campaign, um, basically anything associated with kind of the initial launch, um, like video, we had to take some new photos, all that was, was um, pledge stuff. But we've been pretty careful about like managing it. That was the one, that was one piece of feedback I got from pretty much everybody was that if you do one of these kind of crowdfunding campaigns you have to be really conscious of how you're organizing your money and spending it Mm. and staying organized on how to send out the rewards because it's actually like a pretty huge undertaking to fulfill everything Mm -hmm. um in terms of what you offer to to fans so yeah just just having a really solid kind of organization for it has been awesome can you share with us a little bit of um, kind of the difference between working within a traditional label and then going to kind of doing this on your own through the crowdfunding? Like kind of what what services were there in the traditional label versus what, you know, alternative services and kind of point out any gaps or... Totally. Um, you know, I think, and granted, I may not have like 
a, a full comprehensive understanding because I didn't do a, a, a full length record uh, with the label. But I think, you know, for for us r- doing it kind of this way, everybody that we're working with, we have like a personal relationship with. So the people doing the CD replication we've worked with before, they're awesome. And as a consequence of that, there's a lot more leeway and collaboration in putting these materials together. Whereas I felt um, often with the label, we'd kind of say, this is what we want to do. And then something else would happen um, or things wouldn't be communicated or... Or like you said, they didn't want to change everything. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think just from a logistic standpoint in terms of like physically making CDs. I mean, we used to, we had like one huge conflict with RCA about printing CDs, which I won't even get into. It was one of the most, it was like one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. It was about jewel cases versus sleeves. And it took us like two months to get them to, to use a sleeve, even though, I mean... It, it, really? It was, yeah, I can't even. It was. It was. I should have like taped it or something. It was like. It was. It was what so, was their argument to jewel case? They. That's what they use. <laughs> you know. See, and this, is, this is the problem. Okay. So, so there was definitely a bit of that. I mean, I think, and not to like shit on them, but. Um, but, but there's that old model, and, and let's stick with what we know in the old model, and yeah. this is the box, and we have to put you in the box. Yeah, and, and the cool yeah. thing, you know, I think the other major difference is that they have they have a set of people that they like to work with on things, which is, you know, everybody has that. Um, but it, the, my set of people did not overlap heavily with their set of people. Um, so this time around, it's like we're we're getting to work with people that I feel share a spirit of creativity and collaboration and a lot of whom are like bay area people which i think is really important because that's where i started this and kind of how i would like to to see the vision through um so there's been a lot more creativity in that the the downside has honestly just been that it's a it's a lot of work on the back end with like producer deals and i mean because we're doing a pre-order like the royalty structure is very very complex and I don't have to deal with this as much. My manager, unfortunately, has to deal with it. But um, from an accounting perspective, it's kind of like a semi-nightmare because only two of the songs um, are just me, 100%. The other songs have people who contributed to production. So um, it's, you know, we don't have, like, label services to help us. But other than that, it's been awesome. So... (laughs) Anybody else? Oh, we have two in the front here. Excuse me. Um, so moving forward, uh, where do you see yourself, uh, or how do you see yourself making music? Is it going to stay DIY through the crowdfunding platform or perhaps a different record label or a more independent, smaller record label? Um, and yeah, I mean. Yeah, well, I, I'm not totally sure. Uh, you know, we formed a label to put this out, so I technically now... If you want to put out a record, um, I could I could help you. But it has to be a sleeve and no jewel cases. Um, so you know, part of me feels like this, at least thus far, and we'll see how the release goes. You know how people respond to it and how it does. But um, you know, this has been a really gratifying experience and really kind of renewed a lot of my faith in the process. Uh, but that being said. You know, I'm not like totally opposed to to having 
the the support of of a label in some capacity. I just think the the terms of that would need to be quite different. And now knowing what I, it, I mean, it does feel not that I've been married, but it does feel like a divorce marriage scenario. Um, just in that, like, I like got married to, like to my you know high school boyfriend who like Sorry. wasn't. Yeah, see, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Time to move my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah, we won't be offended. We can go on a little bit. Yes. If you're cool. Oh yeah, sure. I'm great. Yeah. So the the um, it is a little bit like a divorce because you you moved on and um, the one thing I did want to make sure everybody knows how to find you, how to find the new album, what it's called, all that good stuff, so we can stay in touch with you. Oh, okay. Well, uh, this, yeah, K Flay is, it on there? is oh. how this is spelled. Um, uh, my, my name is Christine with a K. Um, yeah, and basically, like, kflay.com is my website but it has all the info um, and if you go to Pledge Music which is how we're doing the crowdfunding we didn't use I mean I know there's a variety of options but we used Pledge Music which has been a really awesome experience and if anybody has any questions about Pledge in particular I'd be happy to answer them um, because it's oh Pledge Music is like um, basically a Kickstarter alternative but it's just for music um, and it's structured a bit differently uh, and one of the things that I that I really like about it is there's no dollar amounts. It's all percentage based. Oh. So it feels a little less weird to me just because I was like sort of, like I said, a bit uncomfortable with the premise. Um, you know, it's like 30% done. Like for all you know, I'm asking for a thousand bucks or something. Right. Um, yeah. That's cool. Um, I wanted to ask about crowdfunding actually. So you said it's sort of this situation where you feel really personally responsible for fulfilling all of the things that you've um, promised to the crowd. Yeah. Um, so how, given that, how did you go about kind of choosing what will I promise? Like you can't, you can't make 40 personal mixtapes and that type of thing. Right. Um, a lot of that, that's an awesome question because we definitely not struggled with that, but spent time, you know, thinking about what would make sense. And I think a lot of, a lot of what we ended up doing were things associated with the live show. So we did a bunch of like, we did this thing like beer and hang, which is basically like, you can, you come to Soundcheck, we drink beers, which is what I would be doing anyway. So, um, it didn't really, you know, we, we tried to find things that were kind of like already set in motion and just include people in that. Um, and then a bunch of the other stuff is kind of warped related, um, which we figured I'm going to be on the road. And I, I find that, um, you know, life on the road is, uh, can be, you know, fraught with, uh, a weird form of inactivity due to not that, not a super healthy lifestyle. So it's better for me to have like, things that I have to do while I'm touring to make sure I don't like, you know, spiral into the abyss. So there, um, yeah. So we, we wanted to do things like that. And, and we honestly just talked to a lot of people who had done this before, you know, um, Grouch and Eli, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but they recently did, um, 
they recently did one of these and, and they were super helpful in, in talking about what worked and what didn't and what was like not manageable, vice versa. Uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting to uh, hear your experience with the the label. I guess for I guess a lot of musicians, you know, signing with the label is a, a big achievement already. So, would you, you know, if that opportunity comes for a musician, would you would your advice be to like think about it twice and and also what kind of things should they, what kind of questions should they add the label to make sure it will be a good match? Um, and then another question would be. Um, did you still feel like you you know you grew uh, grew musically uh, from this experience or like did, did, where, where were the I guess what was the positive side of it Cause um, yeah no those are awesome questions I think f- first just going with um, talking to people who are considering signing who are musicians I think you know everybody's gonna tell you the same thing which is that like you're great and we don't want to change what you do mm-hmm. and that. And I'm not even, you know, that's just part of how it's going to go. And I think this is universal across. And I've talked to, like, a lot of people in similar positions at major labels. Um, And so you're going to get fed that line, and you will not be the exception. You will also probably get told that your album's going to come out soon, and it won't, um, you know, unless you have, like, a huge, you know, I toured with um, Iconopop in the fall, and, you know, they had a huge hit, and then they had to put something out. So if you have a massive international number one hit, probably your, you know, your album will come out with in, in somewhat of a hurry. Uh, but I think you, know, you have to be willing to play the game a little bit, and I, I mean that in the sense of maybe like singing something somebody else wrote potentially or um, not being super controlling about everything. Uh, and those are those may be very good qualities in a, in an artist or a person in general. Um, uh, I think it also really helps if your band or you your, if you're a solo artist, if you have some kind of existing album or work, a body of like established work. I think it's hard when you're you have some stuff on SoundCloud, you know, and it's really popular. I think I think. It, 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 it gives the labels a little bit more room to like mess with the vision. So I think the more kind of like established you are in terms of your, your vibe and your essence, and if that's really firmly established, I think it can be awesome. Um, and granted, my experience is very different, I think, as a solo artist and as a woman. I think it's very different than it is for um, a band. And um, what was your other question at the end? Oh! Right, if I still grew. Definitely. I feel, um, actually, I was saying this to my manager the other day, like, uh, you know, we toured pretty, like, when they, when, when the label just didn't want to do too much, like, we just put stuff out on our, on our own and toured, and I felt like, continued to, to do our own thing in spite of them. So th- that being said, they weren't super, you know, proactive with me, but they weren't super weren't restrictive, yeah. yeah. So we just kind of flew under the radar, you know, um, and I think... I think what's hard is a lot of people who get signed aren't aren't don't necessarily have like a touring. That's not the basis of what they do, and I think when that's the case, it can be really debilitating um, to not to not have any music come out. Yeah. Anybody else? I saw a hand over here. What's the evolution been like? Of how you approach? 
artist and fan development, and how has that changed as your fans have significantly grown? And what, uh, as, like, what do you recommend to an artist or a manager of an artist, you know, in terms of like building those, those core followers and, and you know, how they interact with them as they get too many followers to you know, interact with personally? Yeah. Um, I think over the, the sort of like only constant in, at least in my experience with any of this, is that like every good thing that has ever happened was because of a live show. And I mean that in terms of on every single level um, and that of course there have been horrible shows you know which weren't good but I think every development positive development for me has been has been related to that as particularly fan development you know and uh, it's you know it's a little cheesy to say but like you know grinding it out in a van if you can get like you know we were in Columbus Ohio where I had never been and you know, we have like a hundred kids in this weird place and everybody's excited and, and buys merch. You know, they're not casual fans. Yeah. Um, and of, of course, if you reach a certain level, you're going to have casual fans, right. of course. Um, but I think, I do think the live show, for me at least, that has been the, the primary source of of really gaining and maintaining fans. And just, you know, it sounds, you know, it's simple, but it's like, you know, when the other bands are playing, we're just out there, you know, having a beer or, or whatever, standing by the merch booth. And even just a tiny personal interaction, I think, really gets people invested in a in sort of a profound, a surprisingly profound way. Um, and, of course, like social media and all that stuff. But I, I, I just think it's, I think that fan interaction for sure. And, and for me too, a lot of my lyrical content is very personal. And I think that when that's the case, people, it makes that connection even stronger because people kind of feel like they know you a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think that component has helped too. But I know a lot of bands, you know, that being said as well, like I'm very active replying to people like on Facebook. Oh, well... I basically like take a bottle of wine. <laughs> I'm serious. And like spend two hours just at a time, just like going yeah. through stuff. Um, and even if it's just like a smiley face, right. which I used to hate smiley faces and now I like them. <laughs> so I'm serious. I'm You're like maturing. obsessed with them. I'm like way late on it. Um, yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you're done with that bottle. <laughs> well, thank you. It has been a serious pleasure, a real pleasure thank hanging you. out thank with you. Thank you guys you. so much. Kate Clay. And all the best on the. And you're going to be tour. somewhere again. Yeah, later. Uh, if you want to see more of Renee. When are you performing uh, back on campus? Oh, my gosh. Do you do that? I yeah, don't know. I haven't in a long time. I don't know. You have mics right now, so. Yeah. <laughs> Just carrying them. Uh, maybe in the fall? Okay. I don't know. We'll see. It would be fun, though. Okay. Anyway. All right. Well, Renee's going to be somewhere else later. Oh, yeah, I am going to be. If I, you want to. I'm going to be upstairs in that first room where you were in with. Is that the name of the room? The yeah, the one, big right? room with. G-E-Z. G-E-Z and I are going to talk for a little bit in a little while. Yeah. So. 4.15 or 4.30. Okay, cool. 
catcher. You're the best. Nice trip. What a pleasure. Sorry, my alarm went off.